Yo, yo, what it is, welcome to yet another edition of the Elmer's Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy, and as always, I'm here with my fine friend, the Duderino number one, Mr. Dude. How's it going, buddy? No, I'm, I'm good, man. You know, spring is uh, springing a little bit. Sprung by you so, guys? Good. It's, well, you know, getting there. Got some 50s coming this week, but just like it's been sun, most of the snow is melted. And then hopefully life will be coming back with the the stuff going on with vaccines and everything else. So maybe it's yeah. a, a major a major spring this year. Yeah, we actually just got our vaccine appointments last week. So by the end of April, I think we'll be vaccinated. It's pretty, pretty cool. It's been so long now that the world has been weird. Right. So I, I've i gotten used to it, unfortunately. So I'm, I don't want to forget what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As introverted as I am by nature, I definitely feel the need to see people and do things besides sit in this tiny little room that <laughs> we're recording the show in now. So looking forward to that. One thing that hasn't changed it's music. Oh my god! It's still coming out. It still brings people joy, yes, comfort, whatever it may be. So, and that's what we're talking about here on the Album Nerds podcast, right? Thank God for that, because nobody wants to hear us talk about the weather and flu. <laughs> Not really. Not really. I think people are sick of talking about that. All the weather is a universally enjoyed topic. So, <laughs> usually. Yeah, well, you know, actually, we got a record on the show today that I think was recorded during the the pandemic, so that's kind of interesting to sort of see some of that music come into light. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so for anybody who's new here on the show, welcome. Uh, what we do here, we're just two longtime friends. We like to kind of do uh, album show and tell, get two new release records to what we call old dogs from our collections, and we uh, basically just play a couple tracks, review them, talk about what we like, didn't like. Get the other guy's opinion, kind of an outsider's perspective. All right, well, let's jump in and uh, talk about these new release recommendations. So we're starting off with a brand new album from Paul McCartney. Ever hear of him? It's called McCartney 3. The track is Find My Way. So that was Paul McCartney from McCartney 3. The song was Find My Way. The album came out in December of 2020, and it is, God, what, his 18th solo album? Wow. I'm impressed by that number. I didn't realize there was so many. Well, I don't know if that counts the Wings albums. Eh, It's not really solo, though. Right. So, I mean, he's made, and the Beatles albums obviously aren't counted here. So the man has recorded a lot of albums. He's done some music over the years. (laughs) Oops. Spoiler. I just gave away that Paul McCartney was in the Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be a surprise. (laughs) 
So uh, this serves as a continuation of his so there's he has a bunch of solo albums, but three of them are just called McCartney. The first one, McCartney from 1970, McCartney two in 1980, and McCartney three in 2020. Barely. Yeah, he stuck it in there, but that's good. So the the reason that there's McCartney, McCartney two, and McCartney three, the differentiator there is that. He, Paul records it all by himself, produces it himself, and does all the vocals, all the instruments, and that's what is in common with those three albums. That's pretty cool. I love love the concept. You familiar with those albums? Is this your first of the McCartney's? Yeah, my first. I've heard of some of his solo material, not the McCartney records, but as of late, but that's really my own exposure to his mccartney stuff well you're you're much more of a beatles fan than i am so this is a little i would expect you to know a little bit more about him than that yeah i mean life started for me music was the beatles the rolling stones and the beach boys i mean primarily that's, that's pretty great foundation for any sort of musical listening so yeah and the beatles had songs that were probably about drugs but that for a kid yellow submarine that's yeah, fun all that kind of stuff that was easy for me to digest. Mm-hmm. So I I heard a lot of Beatles every weekend as a kid. So <laughs> yeah, Paul is seventy eight years old now. Can you believe John Lennon would be eighty right now? <laughs> I I wish he was, man. That would that'd be cool. That's crazy to think about. So this album's weird. It's not trying to be relevant. It's adventurous. All recorded during lockdown. So what what Paul's done in these solo named albums is experiment. Take stuff that's been sitting around that he hasn't finished and finish it. So there's really no theme across the album other than it's Paul McCartney. And it's really good, I think. I I didn't know what to expect. I haven't loved his solo stuff in the last couple decades. Not that I haven't dis I haven't disliked it, but I haven't embraced it. How about you? What do you think of the of this compared to like Egypt Station and some of the other more recent releases? Yeah, I, I mean, I had pretty low expectations for it, just based on the solo stuff that I've heard the last probably ten years. Egypt Station, I thought was probably his most solid record in a while that I could remember. So yeah, like I said, pretty low expectations coming into it, but I think for me at least, he greatly exceeded them with this record. Well, let's talk about expectations. So, I started it, right? Yeah. Long-tailed winter bird, track one, five minutes. Instrumental. <laughs> like, so, right there, I'm like, okay, okay, he's doing, he's doing something different here. This isn't trying to, this is just trying to create. This doesn't, they didn't feel like trying to make hit songs. And you don't start your album off with a, with a five-minute instrumental. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think Egypt Station did sound a little bit more like that. Like, it sounds so much more polished than this record. He was getting, like, Mark Ronson and super producers of the day involved in some of his, you know. Yeah, this is not at all that. I I think that's much more interesting to me, personally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Then Find My Way, which I thought was a charming little song and wanted to play it just because it feels very Paul McCartney. Yeah. Simple, plain spoken. I kind of took it as a, maybe a song about being judged as he gets older. Mm-hmm. 
that, hey, you know, I, I, I got this. You don't need to, <laughs> to guide me along. Yeah, totally. Just because I'm, I'm an old guy. Yeah, great, great guitarist on, on both of those songs. Uh, yeah. I, I'm shocked he really recorded all this, all the instruments himself, the guitar, the pianos. The, there's a little horn on that track, I think. And that's. Well, he, he could have used synth horns. Uh, okay, yeah, sure. That's right. He's uh, pretty proficient I mean, at the keyboard as well. Yeah, if you're if you're a piano player, you could pull it off. I yeah. mean, I I don't know for sure, but I doubt he was playing real horns. Okay, word, good call. Now, but the reportedly, yes, this is all him. Forty four minutes and forty eight seconds of Paul McCartney. Not a bad length either. I, I don't mind that. I don't like it when albums exceed an hour. So forty five minutes is totally yeah, totally good for me. I think it goes by really quickly. There's a lot of momentum behind these songs for the most part. What were some of your favorites? Well, I think my absolute favorites were uh, Deep Deep Feeling and Deep Down, which is very similar. I think those, I got the most meaning out of those, but love the guitar riff on Long Tail Winter Bird and then the last track to uh, Winter Bird or Winter Comes, I thought were awesome openers and closers. Maybe the most catchy song for me was Lavatory Lil. It's a really short little yeah. ditty in the middle of the record. Really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I've been singing that a lot the last few days. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like Polythene Pam and songs like that from Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. It had a beatle silly. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a like a nursery rhyme sort of thing, but I guarantee there are some deeper meanings to this, the lyrics he's tossing out there. A couple misfires, Pretty Boys, I thought was a little weird yeah. about like young dudes, like young good looking dudes being eye candied or something by I don't know it was there's just a couple I was like huh but I still liked I liked the song but I just had a kind of a (laughs) bit of a moment of what what, what's happening here Paul yeah the deep songs were were good everything was pretty good seize a day but definitely liked winter bird when winter comes the closer it harkens back to the the title track so kind of a bookend or not the title track the opening track kind of uh bookends yeah the album oh, that was really nice but when winter comes is one of those classic paul songs kind of like a sergeant pepper era um talking about the workaday stuff the stuff going on now he's a farmer he has a farm and so it's all these details about the farm and about um what's going on sort of a when i'm 64 kind of vibe right right but it it also is talking about the late life yeah when winter comes it's kind of like the getting towards the end there and kind of the two elderly the couple in it that are still together loving each other and and enjoying their life so it's nice a nice finish yeah, definitely. I think the thing that surprised me the most about the record, just kind of coming into it fairly blind, was the sense of rhythm that he builds on these songs, the, the drumming and the guitar play is very rhythmic. That and how much he changes up his vocals from track to track. I mean, his falsetto is not, you know, quite amazing at, in the 80s like it used to be, but he still, I think, colored the songs in an interesting way with his voice, even though it's maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more weathered than it was back in the day i think it still sounded interesting and at times i was like is this really paul mccartney this doesn't even sound like what i expected him to sound <laughs> but i was i thought it was very admirable to kind of embrace your age is, is kind of how it sounded mm-hmm. so. 
Yep, this is Paul as he is, and I think that's what I most enjoyed about it. If you want to, if you like Paul, I think you're really going to dig this album. If it, if it somehow missed, if you missed its release, so go check out Paul McCartney, McCartney Three. It's really good stuff. Word up, man! Very good pick. I'm glad we got to talk about it. I had been listening to it quite a bit on my own, and I'm glad you brought it to the show. All right. So for my new release recommendation, we're talking about a record from my neck of the woods from a hip-hop artist by the name of Shea Noir. She put out a record uh, last summer, July 2020, called As God Intended. We are going to play the second cut. This is Blood is Thicker. Blood thicker than water, 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 blood thicker than water. All right, a little taste of Shea Noir, and her record came out back last year, as God intended. This is Shea's. Fourth full length. She hails from Buffalo, New York, which is uh, right in my neck of the woods here in upstate New York. The record was produced by Apollo Brown, who, boy, if you're a longtime Album Nerds fan, we talked about one of his records from way back <laughs> on the show before. Excellent producer, kind of that 90s golden era of hip hop style. Um, he's from Detroit. And, uh, yeah, the record is, I would say, largely focuses on storytelling and kind of just stories from the street, especially growing up in and around Buffalo area. It's, uh, there's a lot of activities that go on there, you could say. And, uh, she chronicles them nicely here on the record. But before we get into that, let's get dude's initial impression here. I assume you hadn't heard of Shay. I didn't, I hadn't heard of Shay a few months ago, to be honest with you. No, I had not. And the first time I put it on and started listening to it, I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> okay, why not? Just because, like, I'm like, uh, like, hour long rap it's album. 50 minutes, let's be clear. Yes. Here we go. And so I, it was sort of a background piece. But then I put on the headphones and listened to it for real and there's a lot more to it than i gave first gave it credit for apollo's production in particular is awesome it does make you feel like that uh p diddy era um biggie production style yeah totally and not and again I only know those things because I was around for that stuff. I was never a super fan of any of it, but I appreciate the musicianship behind it, the beats, the bass lines are awesome throughout, and it sounds like it's actual drums. I might um, be, might be. I'm not sure. It may or may not be, but it sounds like actual drums, which is important to me for it to for me to connect if there's what feels like real instruments happening. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has that lived in i guess you could say like a more authentic style of hip-hop which i mean i wasn't into this stuff in the 90s but you know going back to it i think it kind of at least like from a lyrical standpoint this was definitely the strongest part of hip-hop in my opinion and i love the style that is on here too 
Yeah, so the interesting thing about Shay is actually she was born right as this era of hip-hop was happening uh, in 94. So she wasn't necessarily a part of it either, but she kind of, you can tell how much she appreciates it here. There's one track on the record towards the end called just simply 94, in which she's kind of referencing all these artists that we were talking about a minute ago here, like uh, Jay-Z and uh, Biggie Smalls and... Uh, like Lauren Hill, those types of guys who were mm-hmm. really kind of like not necessarily the forebears of hip hop, but really carried it through this kind of like stage where it was really coming to the forefront of music. So I think that was really cool to hear kind of like a younger pers- person's perspective on this older sound. Um, and not to mention, she's a great lyricist. She has a very straightforward approach to her, um, to her raps. Uh, it's very easy to understand everything she says. Um, she's not really using a lot of flowery language or distorting reality much. It's very, you get a very clear idea of what it's like to, to live in this area and kind of in the lifestyle that she was brought up in. There's one track on here, a couple tracks in here that are very story focused. Um, the one that really stood out to me is Daddy's Girl, which basically just talks about how it was like growing up without a father figure in her, in her life yeah. and having to grow up very quickly. And just kind of learning things on her own and how nice it would have been to have that sort of male perspective in her life to give her some guidance and, and kind of have someone to, to watch her back. I could feel the emotion in that song and it's pretty effective. Was there, are those some of the tracks that you were uh, mentioning were resonating with you on a closer listen? So 12 hours, I think was one of the ones that stuck out. Yeah. Uh, it's a, basically a story about um accidentally murdering someone <laughs> when it comes down to it uh, yeah pretty much <laughs> letting letting uh alcohol and jealousy take control before you know the whole story mm-hmm. uh, so i'll let people listen to it if they want to get the whole effect but i mean the production is it's not that it's polished it's just precise yeah no yeah apollo brown's awesome like he's been doing this for a long time and it sounds very professional very yes very put together well, and it it helps carry the the lyrics for sure. I agree. Um, it's a good partnership. Yeah, it's kind of like two different kind of generations of hip hop helping each other out here. I think it's it's kind of cool from that perspective. For me, it was particularly interesting because it was from my neck of the woods, and it kind of could relate to having been in some of the areas that I'm sure she's talking about. Uh, it was kind of cool for me, and uh, you know, Buffalo in general uh, has actually has a really good hip hop scene. They've been putting out a lot of good music out of there lately, so. I thought we should just give him a shout out on the show and especially Shay Noir here. I think she uh, put out a really good record here. And so if you haven't heard it yet, I think it might be worth a listen, especially if you're a fan of that kind of old school hip hop. Once again, it is As God Intended by Shay Noir. Check it out. So this is the point in the show when we talk about two more albums, but these are older albums that we still really enjoy and have been with us for a long time. Old dog. Okay, so my old dog pick for the week is Mother Tongue. The album is also called Mother Tongue. And thankfully, the song is not called Mother Tongue. I've, <laughs> I've done that before. That'd be too much. <laughs> too much time. This song is Damage.
So that was Mother Tongue from the album Mother Tongue. The track was Damage. This album was released in August of 1994, same year that uh, Che was born. Oh, interesting. Not on purpose. (laughs) Mother Tongue was founded in Austin, Texas in 1990 and then moved to Los Angeles. Um, Alternative Rock, active from 1990 to 1996 and then reformed in 2002. Andy, Mother Tongue, new to your ear? Brand spanking new. I love that you keep coming up with shit. As long as we've known each other, you still put out these, find these bands I've never heard of from the mid-90s on the last, which is <laughs> shocking. But uh, no, totally new. Was it what you expected or different from what you expected? I mean, I, I could see why you liked it. I could, it fits in with the time period, more or less. Uh, I think all in all, I think it was more a miss than a hit for me. But it's not to say there weren't moments on here I felt like worked really yes. well. We'll get into that, though. That's the story of this album. The, 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 the misses, but the really strong, unique hits. It's funky. It's dark. It's rhythmic it's jazzish here and there yeah but it is lyrically sometimes takes you places where you're like the f- what the <laughs> hell are you doing to me <laughs> you know i'm scared <laughs> yeah and it's like i discovered it because i was working at a record store in 94 and it was sitting in the free promo discs that would get sent to us or dropped off by uh, record label reps. And this this was on Epic. Um, wow, this is on 550 Epic. Okay. Label. Yeah. Okay. So it was on a major label. They had been on on bills with Rage Against the Machine and huh. Jeff Buckley and <laughs> Jeff Buckley. and Well, you know, like, you know, on a bill, it's some, some uh, festival type stuff, you know? Okay, sure. Not not touring in conjunction with, but they were a buzz band, I guess. I mean, I, I've read a little bit. There's not much out there. Uh, the Wikipedia page is all but empty, unless, Andy, you're fortuitous enough to have read a little tidbit about how they gained popularity in Germany. No, I didn't hear that story. Right? Okay. So I guess they gained popularity in Germany in the in the early 2000s and started going over and touring there. So huh. their Wikipedia page has a bunch of information if you go to the German Wikipedia. I, okay, I did, I did come across that. I was like, why? Is this an American <laughs> band? Why is this in German? <laughs> this is weird. Okay, interesting. A little bit about the band. I found on Kickstarter, like the lead guy, one of the lead guy's sons, it was, was trying to raise money to make a documentary about his dad. It's called Dad Rock. Okay. And it was about how in 1994, they were on the brink of bake, breaking huge... But in 1994, this kid was born, and his dad had to make a decision if he wanted to be a rock star or a family man, and he chose family man. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Okay. This newfound popularity in the early 2000s, the kid got to go on tour with his dad and experience in Germany, his dad being treated like a rock star. and. Hmm. So that's what he, he was trying to raise money to put that together. I I, I couldn't find it. I don't, I don't think it got made. I'm not sure. But I just found it really it, it just fascinating that 
that this stuff goes on, these bands come and go. And this was one that was a hard sell to my friends. When I had this disc, I really enjoyed some of the songs. Broken, Damage, Burn Baby, Mad World. But then there were parts that I just couldn't, you know, like uh, The Seed. (laughs) See, I kind of... Yeah, the seed was definitely a point where you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? You know, there were moments on this where I I appreciated what they were doing, where they would be dark, really sink into some of the ugliness of humanity, but there was no lifeboat sometimes. And I think that's where, over the years, I, I struggled with really loving this album. However, it has always come back. There are songs in here that just get stuck in my head out of the blue and I have to come listen to it again. Yeah. So it's one of those really weird like love-hate relationship albums that I, I at one point traded it away, my original copy. <laughs> uh, but then a couple of years ago, I found this in a bargain bin for a buck and I was like, hell yeah, I need that back in my life. So I still do really enjoy this album. Great rhythm section, the drumming, the guitars, the everything. It's just there's... There's moments of brilliance where uh, who could these guys have been? Yeah, totally. That's kind of what I left thinking most is like, if these guys stayed together in the 90s for a bit longer and recorded more and got to feel each other out more, could they really put together something special? I think potentially down the road. You know, I, I listened to some other stuff that came out in the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't quite. It wasn't quite nearly as interesting as some of the moments on this record. No. Yeah, it really wasn't. All right, so we're going to listen to a little bit of Broken. All right, so that was Broken, and uh, that was probably the song that was the most on uh, mixtapes for me that I would make for driving around. Uh, so I'd put songs like that on a mixtape back in the 90s so that when I'm driving with my friends, they'd hear something that I discovered and be like, whoa, what's that, dude? And <laughs> they did, sort of, but no one really, you know, in that time period, that's what you were all about with your buddies. Right. Trying to be the guy that discovered the next thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought this was going to be it, and and none of my friends were into it. <laughs> it was very sad to Turns me. Turns out they were all right. <laughs> yeah. There was something special brewing here, and it, it either would have developed into something great, or it would have gotten even weirder. Who knows? But <laughs> I, I, this, this little tidbit that I happen to know about because I worked at a record store is... Uh, Still pretty cool to talk about. So that was Mother Tongue. That's the name of the album, too. Go check it out if you want to listen to something weird and uh, if you want to get really sad. <laughs> but then get lifted back up. Uh, all right. For my old dog pick this time around, we're talking about a record from 1998 from the artist Soul Coughing and their third and final album, El Oso. We are going to play the opening cut. This is Rolling.
All right, a little taste of rolling off the album El Oso by Soul Coffin. So Soul Coffin is a New York City-based four-piece uh, fronted by M. Doherty, well-known for his kind of like beat poetry style delivery. Their other kind of hallmark of their sound was the upright bass, which they gave them a fair amount of funk. Their debut record, 1994, Ruby Room, kind of like introduced the world to this kind of offshoot from the grunge sound that was happening in the mid-90s. Another 94 record here, man. Uh, Interesting. Tying back to that year. Mm -hmm. But I would say the sound that they created on that record was pretty new. Uh, Didn't really create an offshoot of other bands, um, but they stuck in that lane fairly consistently over the next three records. I think El Oso is the best representation of their sound. It has some of the more polished elements, but also has some pretty more interesting, like avant-garde moments happening on here too. But I digress. Dude, what did you think? I assume you had heard of the band and maybe a few of these songs. Is that accurate? I had heard of the band. I'd heard all of Ruby Vroom uh, when it came out. Okay. Again, I was I was working in a record store. I remember well, the thing I remember most about this band other than me not liking them was <laughs> um <laughs> I, I was really into the grunge and stuff at the time and the harder side of things so to me this was like some nerd on a calculator like what are you doing this isn't <laughs> it's not exactly craft work but okay um uh, a, a young couple came in, maybe a year or two younger than me, into the store, and they were looking for soul couching. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for soul couching. So this was like hipsters before there were hipsters. That was what soul coughing kind of was, a hipster. Band. Yeah, I mean, they're from New York. I, I, yeah, I could see that. And, you know, Circles from this album yes. is the ultimate sort of like, you know, like uh, that would have been a song in the soundtrack to Clueless. You know what I mean? Like it's just not. <laughs> I think it was using the soundtrack for some movie or TV program. Well, that, yeah. I had a roommate that was really into this album in 98 and I heard it a lot. And oh, it yeah. just, well, it just wasn't for me. No disrespect or anything. Uh, they do. They did forge their own place. I mean, this kind of went along with people who like G love and special sauce, you know, it was in the same sort of grouping of. Okay. Yeah. Uh, electronic tinged alternative rock stuff uh, kind of experimentation but you know it had its place it had its very 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 um, strong following and fan base so gotta give them credit there yeah I heard this a lot on like the independent radio station around me and like the college radio scene which is pretty popular really enjoyed it all the records I think are good like I said I think this is probably their strongest start to finish the beginning of the record, like you mentioned, rolling in circles that are really catchy, really dance-orientated. Um, but as the record goes on, it gets into some pretty interesting moments. One of them is going to be on the next cut we play here, uh, $300. Weird sampling and distortion, and it's very hard to tell what's going on, but I love the vibe that they're putting out. Um, why don't we just go ahead and play a bit of $300. Dollars, I do. I want. She's here for three hundred dollars. I do. I want. She's here for three hundred dollars. I do. I need to feel it when the rain starts coming on. I know the skin is a jealous slur. I know the sky. 
has a little three hundred dollars off of Oso by Soul Coffee and little gorillas before there were gorillas, right? Yeah, definitely some influence there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Very sample heavy. Uh, so that sample in particular, interesting little tidbit. Uh, supposedly that is not supposedly it's taken from a, a Chris Rock stand-up special. I guess there's a portion of the special where he has like some reversed, a reversed joke essentially. And this kind of intrigued Amdori to figure out what the hell Chris was saying in this part of the stand-up special. So he played it back and then slowed it down. And that was basically the, uh, the $300 part there. You want to hear the, uh, the Chris Rock joke, the secret Chris Rock sure. joke. Okay, I'll do my best Chris Rock impression. Actually. Oh God! <laughs> no, actually, I won't. Sounds, that'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I would instantly regret it. So I'm walking down the street, right, and I saw this prostitute, okay. and I say, "How much?" She says, "For three hundred dollars, I'll do anything you want." I said, "Pay my house, bitch." <laughs> That's a great joke. You know, you get it. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a pretty good deal. Three hundred dollars for a house painting. That's what he's saying. I'll do it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and honest uh, <laughs> day's work, right? That's Legal. right. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I think those moments on the record are the, the type of things that really stand out the most to me. There's another great song, the last track, actually, the incumbent, which just sounds. Very creepy. It's got this organ loop, and it sounds like it was maybe recorded underwater. Uh, it's all about not really, you know, having the the steel, as he says, to uh, live in New York City and kind of getting chewed up and spit out by the city. Um, a feeling I can relate to. I don't, I'm not a big fan of city life either. But yeah, so this record, I just keep coming back to it. I really enjoy it every time whenever it comes up on the radio. If you hear, like, circles or something pops up somewhere, I'm like, oh, yeah. Still coughing. Those guys are pretty good back in the day. Don't hear much about them anymore. Pretty discreet period they were active for. And I think uh, when they were doing it, they did uh, something pretty unique. And I think it's worth remembering what it sounded like. It was cool to hear again. And it doesn't surprise me. This I, I wish I had, I could have connected the dots on this and when I first met you and said, hey, I bet you like soul coughing, right? Like you were totally their demo. <laughs> yeah, that sounds too outside of my comfort zone by any means. Uh, I think this record actually did influence a lot of my tastes later on, a little more dancey oriented stuff that I appreciate mm-hmm. in rock music later in the 2000s. So for that, I am thankful if you have heard it. Yeah, if you if you have a memory like that back in the 90s, maybe uh, maybe dust this record off. I think, uh, I think it won't disappoint you. All right, Andy, that's going to do it. Tell us what you think of these records <laughs> and what you're listening to. You can email us, podcast at albumnerds.com. You can also leave us a voicemail, 585-210-2454. Let us know what you're uh, listening to, and maybe we'll play the clip of your message on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Again, that's 585-210-2454. Word up. If you want to do the show, a solid love appreciate respect you even more if you left us a review on apple Podcasts. uh as also you can listen to the show on spotify we also put a playlist up there of all the songs we just featured on the show if you want to kind of listen along and oh by the way you know it costs us a little bit of money to do this show we mostly do it out of love but we'd really appreciate a little support if you want to go to albumnerds.com support 
toss us a few bucks on PayPal. We'd really appreciate it. I just want to say that uh, we'll be back next time with more recommendations. And thanks for supporting the show, listening to the Album Nerds podcast. And we'll check you in a couple weeks. All right. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening.